So hi everyone, we are back. And this episode is Call Me Crazy, at least you calling. So this episode is the mental health episode. I mentioned in the first the intro podcast that I am a social worker. I'm a mental health provider. I firsthand work with older adults and I can say how suppressing your mental health has adverse effects on you as you age and in later life. We can talk about how PTSD turns into self-medication through alcohol and drugs, or how low self-esteem translates into poor health through mental disorders and body disorders like overeating, anorexia, things like that. But I feel lucky because I'm in a generation where people are more open to talking about their mental health and are actually having conversations about it versus the older people that I actually serve and how the conversations are pretty much really awkward with them. So like I said, I really like how millennials are changing the status quo and not scared to talk about it. So we are back with a shot of GM. So we gonna get right into my business, right? We are gonna talk about how I started seeing a therapist. So um, I'm a social worker, and when I was getting into pr- the profession, everybody was telling me, if you a social worker, you need a therapist. And I'm just like, no, I don't. First of all, I'm Nigerian. We don't, we don't see therapists. That's not our thing. We don't talk to people. We don't tell our business. But I was in a relationship. The relationship I was in, the guy was almost 10 years older than me. The communication was awful. The type of relationship I thought I was ready for, I just I really wasn't. It was, it was too wrong. We had a lot of communication issues because of the age, and so he suggested that we see a therapist. I was like, everyone around me has been telling me to see one anyway, so I agreed to it. So we started seeing a therapist together, and she was really helping us with our communication, the tips and things that she was telling us was working really well. But midway through our sessions, we ended up breaking up. When we broke up, the first person I called was my therapist, and she asked me, like, well, do you want to keep seeing And I said, sure. So that's how I started going along. When I started seeing my therapist alone, the conversation completely changed from like communication, relationship things, working with one another. And it went from her kind of going back and asking me questions about my family and questions about myself and basically getting to know me. So the most interesting thing she did to me when we first met was she made a gene chart. I don't know if you guys ever seen one, but it's like this really long chart and like it's circles and squares, circles like represent females, squares represent males, marriages, brothers and sisters, who's dead, who's alive. And the root of the, the tree was my dad. So the first thing she asked me was like, okay, who's your dad married to? I was like, my stepmom. She's like, what happened to your mom? I'm like, my mom passed. But I was like, but he has three kids from my mom, me, my brother, and my sister, two from his first wife, four from his last wife. He had a baby mom on the side. And she was like, what? Stop. And I'm like, okay, what does this have to do with what we're talking about? And then she dug into the conversation about how my relationship with my father, how I viewed men, and how I view how men treated women had a direct impact on how I view relationships. So I was like, okay, this is, this is pretty useful. More people should be doing this. And of course, like I said, as I became a social worker, it kind of became necessary. I noticed myself, the longer my work days got, the more emotional labor that I was giving to other people. When I got home, I didn't have it. Like with my family members, I would be really short. I wouldn't talk about things. I would suppress a lot of emotions. And I'm just, and I knew it wasn't healthy. Like I said, I work in the field. I know signs about personality disorders, how you change, 
So I was like, okay, I need to kind of start letting off some of my um, professional steam onto somebody else. So that's how I started seeing a therapist now. Like I said, I went without it for a little while, transitioning from seeing one alone from my boyfriend to the one that I see now. But professionally, it became necessary. So what did therapy do for me? So my favorite thing about therapy is like you basically pay somebody to be in your business. That's, I, I think that's kind of the best part. They getting paid, so I feel like they're not afraid to check you or tell you what needs to be said. Behaviors that you find problematic that other people wouldn't point out to you because they love you, they care about you. Also, they have no personal stake in it, so it's not like, oh, you know, she just saying that because she being a hater. It's none of that. I really feel like they give you the freedom to tell you what you need to hear without the backlash that you would give others who actually have personal investment. Also provided a safe space. It sounds cliche, but I know so many times that I've been afraid to tell my friends or people things because I didn't want them to tell anybody or I felt like I couldn't, I just wasn't comfortable enough to tell it to them. Like, I, it's, it's, I'm always, I feel like I'm the strong friend. A lot of times, like, I feel like I'm not allowed to break down. I feel like if I break down, my friends aren't going to trust me. They're not going to be able to say things to me either. Or, like, they won't have the freedom to tell me things because they don't want to affect my mental state. So, I feel like it was a safe space to break down. Most of the times when I go see my therapist, I'm there crying for like 30 minutes and then kind of talking about work and then crying some more. So I feel like the therapist's office is like my crying box. You know how people like, you know, cry in the shower so people don't see your tears? That's me in my therapist's office. Also, um, it allowed me to do my job better. Seeing a therapist makes you a much better therapist, if you are a therapist. You actually, like, it's kind of weird because sometimes I found myself social working my therapist. So I would, like, ask her questions and try to get in her business when she would try to do the same thing for me. So it's like you pick up on um, tips and techniques as a professional through your own healing. So this, um, especially because I think I was the first person in my family to talk to a therapist. And then I was talking to my aunts and my sisters and I realized none of them had had one. And I want to say this was like two years ago. Now all of them see one. So it, it came to the conclusion, I was like, hold on, like why, why don't black women do therapy? The other black women I knew who were seeing therapists were social workers as well. Like which I mentioned earlier, social workers, if you work in the mental health field, you have a therapist. If you don't, you need to be seeing one. Black women are undervalued, underpaid, used, abused. Why aren't black women seeing therapists? And I'm like, dog, black women crazy. Like, why are we crazy? So I don't think we crazy. I kind of think like we're fed up. Like, I feel like it's to the point women are oppressed. We're tired. We feel unappreciated. And it's hard to believe, like, the, especially, like, I feel like we're in an era of, like, black girl magic. It's like black women can do anything. Black women are represented. We look great. We're making money. There's so many positive things, but there's so many generations and years of harm that we have to undo. So it's kind of like, how do we undo that? So I really feel like if you have black women in your life who you feel aren't taking care of themselves mentally, speak power onto them or at least encourage them to do it. Or if you can't encourage them to do it or see somebody, just talk to them. Make sure they're okay. Ask them to write a journal prompt, to send them a thank you card, a bouquet every once in a while. And I feel like you'll see, you know, the narrative of the, the crazy black woman lesson. Just show some appreciation. It's not hard. I just feel like that's the easiest way to get rid of the whole, the notion like, we, you know, we crazy. No, we tired. <laughs>
Back to mental health and millennials seeking help and being awesome because we are taking care of our mental health. So when we get 90, we are not senile and yelling at people for simple things like being on your grass or (laughs) traffic or things like that. So we're talking about why mental health should be prioritized specifically among black people. We can talk about millennials, but let's just talk about black people in general. So working with older adults, like I said, I mentioned before, I see how harmful um, putting off your mental health can become in later life. Um, It negatively affects your brain. Um, You could become very negative, senile, non-understanding. If you ever see most of us know a black person or an older black adult who is kind of like really set in their ways, very inflexible, and kind of give out that that vibe of being senile, you kind of understand It's not hard to understand people accepting somebody is not something you have to do, but understanding is. And it's kind of like how you get that immobile, rigid mindset. And you have to think somebody who has been set in their ways for, let's say, 40 years, they're not learning. They're not growing. They're not getting new experiences. And the easiest way to keep your brain fresh is to keep learning. You just have to think, I see so many older people losing their memories, aside from health effects through Alzheimer's and things like that, but not giving, exposing yourself to new opportunities is the easiest way to literally deplete your mind. So open your mind and open yourself to new experiences. When you don't address mental health, you pass those issues on to your family. I know so many people who have trauma due to the way that they were raised, who do, deal with self, low self-esteem due to the way the, their parents talk to them. And you have to think how... The things that you pass on to your family, aside from money, property, mindsets are generational. Break those generational curses, especially if you grew up in a family where you kind of felt like the way your parent raised you or the way that you grew up wasn't the best. Address those mental health issues. Don't Nobody wants to be around a moody-ass person. Also, you may be depressed. You might have borderline personality disorder. Moodiness sometimes isn't just moodiness. It's maybe something more deeper. Young African-Americans are committing suicide at alarming rates. Rich, broke, gay, straight, single, married. It's happening to all of us. We already have some of the lowest life expectancies in the U.S. I feel like if there's something that you can control to keep you living on this earth longer, especially if it's something so simple as changing your mindset, I feel like it's something that more people should be serious about. So why we really need to address mental health? I feel like we have so many conversations about why mental health is important, but let's talk about why we really need to do it. So there are a few things that African-Americans are exposed to more frequently than other races and other groups, and that's why paying attention to mental health should be a higher priority need for us. Poverty, Poverty is trauma. Poverty is trauma. Being broke, that hustle all your life mentality is trauma. Not knowing how you're going to eat the next day is trauma. That's not a normal way to live. Going without basic necessities, unsure about your future, that's depression. That's PTSD. That's ADHD. That Yes, hustle, yes, grind, but it's trauma. Take care of it. It's happening to us. Violence. So one of my new favorite shows that I'm into is The Shy. It comes on Showtime. It's awesome. It started off really good, and it's getting kind of slow, and I'm getting annoyed with it, but I know it's going to keep getting good, so I'm going to keep watching it. And I was just amazed that I was just thinking about all, I don't want to give spoilers, but these kids go through a lot. And me as a social worker, I'm just thinking like, 
wow, they're going to be messed up in their head. And I realized, like, wow, this is actually happening to kids. So how do we, how do we address this? How do we address the violence? African-Americans are more exposed to violent crimes. We're talking about break-ins, cars, shootings, violence, sexual violence. One in four girls and one in six boys are sexually abused before the age of 18. There is an alarming rate in which boy, black girls have been abused. 60% of black girls are abused before the time they turn 18. 60%. And I feel like that's a time, that's something that needs to be addressed. And I definitely feel like that has something to do with why mental health is so important. Because more girls are experiencing it than not. Even if you don't see it, even if you don't think it's true. 60% of black girls experience sexual assault by the time they're 18. It's happening more often than it isn't. So even if you don't see it, just know that it, people are experiencing it, and it's something that needs to be addressed, especially, like I said, we live in a violent society. We are experiencing school shootings, homicides, all types of things on a daily basis. That exposure to that violence, whether direct or indirect, is having an effect on us, and we need to address that before it's too late. Racism and discrimination. So basically the things that we face on an everyday basis, whether it's being passed up for promotion because of your race, consistently being undermined, accused, and inadequate can catch up to you and cause havoc on your mental state. You think simple things like somebody, you know, not paying attention to you in line in Starbucks, it may be simple. But once it happens to you on an everyday basis and you realize it's because of the color of your skin, these things seem simple transgress like simple transgressions, but microaggressions, like I said, add up. And they can become like a mental statement. It, it gives you the consistent feeling of being inadequate or not feeling enough. And it has a negative impact on your mental health. One thing that um, I saw mentioned on the news was that when black people get a reparations package, that therapy should be included. And I agree. I feel like racial trauma is not something that is talked about enough. Negativity and the, the mental impact that comes along with being discriminated against is something that's not really talked about or not really looked into. And I definitely know for a fact there is not enough health professionals to address this. Since they're not going to give it to us, we need to handle it ourselves. We always talk about why people don't access mental health when the real conversation needs to be why people can't access mental health. And I feel like that's a bigger issue. I work every day with the healthcare system, insurances, and I feel like there is more barriers to getting help than anything else. I feel like I, I have clients who tell me it's easier for me to buy drugs on the street than to get them from my doctor's office. And I definitely feel like that's a part of the problem. Insurance, especially like if you're poor, we are talking about Medicare, right? The demand is too high. Psychotherapists are overwhelmed, overbooked, and cannot see clients in the ad adequacy in which they need unless you have a mental health emergency. And from there, they admit you to a psychiatric hospital. And then you have to be there for a few days before you can see somebody. That's definitely a part of the problem. Nobody with acute mental health issues are being seen. People with more severe issues are being treated like mental patients. So I feel like that middle ground is not there, and that keeps people from seeking treatment. A lot of people don't have jobs that provide benefits 
So therapy is not an easy thing to seek, especially in the public health system. Also, unless you have an actual diagnosis, nobody like really cares to see you as a therapist if you say I'm feeling stressed or I'm feeling inadequate or I'm having issues with my self-esteem. It's going to be very hard for you to see a therapist unless somebody has diagnosed you with something. And I feel like that leaves a lot of people the room to self-medicate, self-diagnose, not really pay attention to it, not really worry about it. And that's something that comes back to the roots of the problems that we have, why it's not being addressed. There are a few mental health management tools. Um, I posted on my Instagram story. If you don't follow me, follow me at B-E underscore J-E-N-N-T-L-E. It was about happiness and how um, happiness is something that that consistently needs to be worked on. It's not only a state of mind, but it's a tool. And I um, listed um, some ways to maintain happiness, what things contribute to happiness, what cause happiness, and how to keep happiness consistent in your life. Um, Also, journaling. Journaling is something that kind of maintains my mental health between my therapist visits. And I feel like journaling, I feel like people feel like it's a dear diary type of things, and it doesn't have to be. It can just be moments. It could be something that you're grateful for, moments that you're feeling inadequate. I actually look, I have been journaling for the longest time. And I have journals of mine from like third grade, seventh grade, up until adulthood, and I see how Writing things down really helped me, helped me uncover things about myself and helped me keep track of things about myself that I need to work on. Also, another mental health tool, live in a moment and be grateful for what you have around you. Take time to practice gratitude. Help other people do well. And I always feel like when I treat people good, it builds my self-confidence as well. So at least just try to do good to others as much as you can. And I feel like it'll put you in a better mind state. So interestingly enough, everyone's brain is different, and people who suffer from brain disorders um, have similar risk factors. So one in five people who have mental illness will have a disability. ADHD can transfer into obsession with drugs. Low self-esteem can transfer into anorexia, bulimia, overeating. So whenever you feel like you want to neglect your mental state, just remember these things can ultimately lead to death. Your mind state is the one thing that you have consistent control over, if you can. And I feel like that's something that needs to be managed and taken care of. Peace of mind is the most important thing that you cannot buy. Mental health neglect is killing young people all over the world. Take time for yourself. It's free, it's easy, and it will literally save your life. And that's it. A shot of GM.